what I want to share today is just a continuation of what I started three weeks ago. So um, really to get full context, I would ask you to go and have a listen to the message three weeks ago in relation to having the mind of Christ when it comes to family. And so we've been looking at this series on the wisdom of God and what is the wisdom of God. And we've said the wisdom of God is literally the demonstration of God through us on the earth. The fullness of God's wisdom is not something that stays in the intellect, but it's enabled and it comes through the demonstration of God. So it's the demonstration through the power of the Spirit. That is ultimately the wisdom of God. You can touch it. You can see it. You can smell it. When Jesus came, the Bible says Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the power of God. So it's the literal reality of God being demonstrated. Anything short of that is not the fullness of the wisdom of God. And sometimes, and so often, we, we stop short. We stop short at the demonstration. We, we, we fill ourselves, but we, we somehow cannot, or we don't, or there's not the, the fullness of that living truth, so there's not the demonstration. And I don't know about you, but the world's waiting to see a church that demonstrates the wisdom of God. I want to be someone, a follower, who is able, because I'm submitted and surrendered to the Father, through the power of the Spirit, it's not me, but the power of the Spirit working in me and through me that actually demonstrates what he did in every aspect, love, power, thoughts, and to be able to bring stuff into people's lives, to be able to see things in the Spirit, speak it into being, to see people set free. That's the call of a follower of Jesus. And so we've been looking at in the element of family because Physical family can be the greatest hindrance to us. Do you realise that? I'm going to share some things today which are probably going to get a little bit... But he wants us free. He wants us free from one another. And physical family can be the greatest hindrance and bondage to you and I becoming free. And that's what I want to look at today. If our identity and our purpose is in our spouse or our children, no one's going to win in that situation. All that situation will be is one of hindrance and bondage and chains because you're living your life through someone else. Your identity being in someone else. What happens when that person disappoints you? What happens when that person doesn't do what you want them to do? What happens when all the plans and the purposes that you have for that person don't align with the plans and purposes that God has for that person? You see, there's a fight, there's a war that goes on and no one can be free. Codependent relationships are a hindrance and a bondage for people to become free. Jesus is the only one who is to define us. He's the one our identity is found in because that's where life is found. And we're going to look at some things today um, because the Bible says wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, which means wisdom is proven right by someone's ability to live something out. And three weeks ago I talked about and I painted a picture of how Jesus saw family. You can remember the message? We talked about what does it mean to be from the order of Melchizedek because he wasn't from the order of the Aaron priest line. He was from Judah. No priest had come out of Judah. They were all from the Levite line. He came from a spirit realm, a reality of the spirit. So yes, he had a mum, he had a dad, but he lived on a higher order and that's what we unpacked. And so we talked about, we, and we throw this around, yeah, I have the mind of Christ. Well, here's the question. Do we live from having the mind of Christ? Because like I said, it's pointless knowing you have $10 billion in the bank if you never withdraw it. So it's great. I've got $10 billion, but I never actually withdraw it to actually make a difference with it. So do we live from having the mind of Christ when it comes to family? And there are so many areas you can talk on from the Bible, isn't there? And we must actually take the whole counsel of God, yes? Not just the bits we like, not the bits that feel good, because the loving, perfect Father, my Father was loving and he wasn't perfect, but here I'm saying he was loving. And in his love, there was a long-suffering and there was a discipline. 
I didn't really like it when my dad disciplined me. Anyone else? But the Bible says discipline is good. And we have to know the lion aspect of Jesus, not just the lamb. But so many of us just know the lamb. And when the lion turns up, (laughs) we're out of here. Think about that. When the big male alpha lion turns up with his mane and his teeth and he roars, do we stand there like we do the lamb? Because you're a good, good father and your ways are pleasing and perfect. You see, we have to know both sides of Christ, otherwise when the side that we don't know turns up, we mistake it for not being Christ because he doesn't look like a lamb and he's not talking so nice and softly this time he comes with a rebuke. Why? Because he hates us? No. What did I say last week? Because he loves us and everything he does is for our gain so we can be free. But if we fight him in that element, you miss and I miss out. You can spend your whole life fighting him and never come into the life of him because you don't even know it is him. That's why submission, love and submission, we talked about, is so critical to our walk with him. Will you surrender, will I surrender to the lion and the lamb, the lamb and the lion? Do I know the lion? Do I know the lamb? Same person, different attributes because he's the perfect father and we need both, don't we? So let's come with a Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 24. Just while you're going there, I'm just going to read you 2 Timothy. So you go to Matthew 10, 24. But just have a listen to this as well. So this is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture, everyone say all, is inspired by God and profitable, you don't have to repeat that, <laughs> for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We looked at this at the men's retreat. All scripture the whole entire counsel of God. Okay? It's profitable. What for? For teaching, for reproof, correction, straightening up, realignment, for training in righteousness so that the man, meaning man and woman of God, may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So you can see that what I'm about to read out, what you're about to hear, is profitable. Okay? So I've intentionally done that, to lay that foundation before I read what I'm about to read. It's good for you and I. It will align us if we allow it. It's going to confront some of us. It's going to challenge the pants of some of us. It will encourage us, hopefully inspire us, and hopefully it will draw us to a greater dimension of freedom in him. Because once again, the purpose of everything God does is to lead us into his life, isn't it? Okay. So let's read Matthew 10, 24. I love my heading. This says the meaning of discipleship. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that it become like his teacher. This is what we've been talking about, isn't it? That we are to become like him in every way. Not just saved by his blood, 
and then live our lives like we normally do. No, saved by the power of his blood to be transformed, conformed into the very image of the one we love and worship and follow. So there's another truth that's just saying the same thing that we've been talking about. And all this builds on where we're going. And the slave like his master, if they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So he's really encouraging us, isn't he, right here? He's encouraging his people. Do not fear. Become like me. There's going to be some opposition to becoming like me. But do not fear. Do not worry about your life. Why are you worried about your life? Do not know I feed the sparrows. Why do we get so consumed with life and life's ways and the world's ways? So he's encouraging us profoundly, encouraging his disciples profoundly. Then he says this in verse 32. Therefore everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? Straight out of the lion's mouth, the lamb's mouth. 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Sometimes we understand that one more. A man's enemies will be the members of his household. Hold on, let me read that again. A man's enemies will be the members of his household. That's interesting, isn't it? Look to the person beside you and say, you're my possible enemy. You've been persecuted by your family for believing in him? You've been ridiculed? Family can be Christian, non-Christian. You know, it's even worse when your Christian family do it. When you're trying to live doing the will of the Father and your own family don't understand it and want to pull you back to their standard. And you're not free because it feels like you've got an anchor on your back and you're trying to do the will of the Father, God, but your own family don't let you because of their own fear and insecurities and their lack. You know there's a real tension in that of how to live that out? You learn. When it's your mum and your dad and he says, honour your parents but live for me. And what about when you have to make decisions that your mum and dad don't understand that are going to honour the Lord but not honour them, but you have to make the call? Are you prepared to make the call when your family don't understand what he's calling you to and put up with and love on the people that are persecuting you, that your own flesh and blood? Because if you're not then you're going to struggle to follow Christ. Because it's the very call of a follower of Christ to be persecuted by people. So we have to get used to this. We better get used to it, otherwise we're never going to live the fulfilment of the life that he has for us out. Paul knew that. Paul said, not only do I want to know you, know the power of your resurrection, but I want to have fellowship with your sufferings. 
Why? Because I want to become like the Master. Anybody else? Anybody want to become like the Christ? Well, if you say yes and amen, that you've just invited persecution. Not just from the world, but from the very people that you're called to love. Firstly, being those people beside you. Those little people that we give birth to. Those people that have given birth to us. He must be number one. He calls, and was we're about to read, to be number one. Okay? So don't get surprised if people don't understand. Love them. Pray for them. Because love endures all things, doesn't it? Does it believe all things? Does it hope all things? So do I know love? Am I able to demonstrate what I've just said? Because the wisdom of God, Christ, is in me, building himself in me, which means I'm able to, through the power of him, live that out. See, that's just a little bit different from just praying a prayer and getting saved, isn't it? Can you see the magnitude of who we've been called and chosen to become? A royal priesthood, set apart, consecrated unto the Lord, to govern through the realm of the Spirit now and in the future to judge angels? This sounds like a great movie to me. This is the church. This is the reality for the church and it freaks us out. Hopefully it inspires us to go, you are joking me, aren't you? This is who little old Greg has been called to be and become. A nobody to somebody in the eyes of the Lord? You better believe it. I'll take the foolish things and I'll elevate them up to confuse the wisdom of the world. And then he says this, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Three times this word worthy. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. There is a life to be found in Christ. The question is, are we finding it? Jesus right here is saying something so profound and powerful and it has the potential to blow us out of the water. But remember, he is for us, isn't he? So everything he says, because he's perfect and his ways are perfect, is for us to bring us into freedom. To see us set free from hindrances and chains and bondage that we may not even know we're in to experience a life that's in him. You know, we were watching The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe um, the other night, a little sort of snippet of it, and uh, it just sort of reminded me of something where the little girl goes through the, 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 uh, the door, the wardrobe, thanks, mate. You know, she enters into this other realm, and it's incredible, and she's like, man, what's this, you know? It's like another world. And she goes back and she tries to share it with her brothers and sisters. They don't believe her. But she's been there and she's seen it. And she's lived it, experienced it, smelt it, touched it, felt it. Then comes back and shares. And they think she's cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. And she's so passionate about sharing with them. But they don't believe. And they push her aside and you see the look on her face and she doesn't revile back at them, she doesn't try and prove, she just sort of sits there and rests and as the story goes they end up all walking through the cupboard and they discover that what she said was true. Do you know that's what God's doing with you and I? There is a life yet that you have not experienced in him 
There is a life yet that I haven't experienced in him, but it's right there, right here. And his Holy Spirit has been given the job to bring us into it. And yet if we love our physical family more than him, it will prevent us from entering in. Why? Because you will make your decisions and your choices and your priorities based around those people, not him. And when the call comes, which is above your ability to make a decision and say yes to the Lord and no to them, you won't be able to make it. Why? Because they have the affection of your heart. They are the ones your heart is devoted to. They are the ones your heart is given to. And when the one who says love me with all of your heart asks you to do the will of his father, which is bigger, unfortunately I'm telling you now, you won't be able to. You will say no, the cost is too great. And the sad thing about that is that there is a life beyond that that he's trying to lead you into in him, in you, that is for you. And he wants to redefine all those people in our heart and reconnect us back to them so we are free from them. Why? So then we can live for him fully and them. And you know what you then do? You then try and lead those people into the reality that he's led you into, which is called seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and stop being an empire builder of your own life because it's void of life. That is where life is in him. He's saying you're not worthy of me. That's a big call, eh, Chris? But I thought his blood made me worthy. Well, it does. So what's he talking about? Because he's saying you're not worthy of something. You're not worthy. If you don't pick up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of the fullness. You're not worthy of the reward that I have. I want you to be. I want you to experience the fullness. I want you to come into. I invite everybody. The invite goes out. And I have to come and I share my reality, the full counsel with you to show you, to show you a true reality, to show you, because I love you, I want to show you your true reality in me. Yes, you're my children. Yes, I love you. Yes, my love covers you, but I want to show you where you're truly at. I want to show you what's in your heart. I want to show you the people that you may have in your heart that you're not supposed to have in your heart because that's where I'm supposed to be first. Notice he doesn't say not to love them. He says if you love them more. You're not to be cold. Oh, I don't love Lily and Maddie now. But that love is to be the love of the Father for Lily and Maddie. So please hear me, I'm not saying boot your family out. This will bring you closer to these people. But it's no longer your physical family, it's family. It's spiritual family. You have a love for everybody. Why? Because the love of the Father has been worked in you because you went through a process of acknowledging your true state, repenting of it and asking him to come and fill you. The challenge in the question is, do we want to change? That's one of the how-tos. You has to be a desire for change. You have to go, wow, he's really speaking to me and that is my true state. I do love my father, my mother, my husband, my wife, my children, myself, my grandchildren, my second cousin, my grandparents, more than you. It takes bravery to admit that. It takes courage. Be strong and courageous. But it's awesome knowing that the Father's love is covering. It always has been. Otherwise none of us are here. So he's there going, I know your state. Today's the day I want to show you it. I want to show you something you don't even know you're, you're in. You may even think it's normal. 
You may think it's perfectly normal to love a child. The greatest. But that's not the command. And I want to show you it's not normal for followers of mine. What's normal is to love me with all your heart. That's my order. My ways are perfect. Can you remember what I said three weeks ago? I said the other thing was his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. None of us start loving God with all of our heart. We start loving ourselves. Because that's who we know. Don't we? And that's okay. God knows that. God comes, he wants to do a work and he's going to finish a work. If we let him. You can stop the work that God wants to do in your life. Because you resist it. Some of us this morning may resist what's being said. They may, you may resist what he wants to do. That's fine. In a year's time, he might touch you on it again. In five years' time, in ten years' time. The challenge with that is you may always resist. So the work doesn't get done. And so you stay in a position of actually, although he loves you unconditionally, what he has for you, you're not worthy to receive. So I gave you one talent. Chris, what did you do with it? I buried it. You weren't supposed to bury it, son. Do you know where that slave ended up? Where does the Bible say that person ended up? In outer darkness. Those were three slaves waiting the return of the same master. That is not a non-Christian. We love to believe it is. Go have a look. A talent given. That is not a non-Christian, guys. That is not talking about hell. That's what we've taught. Go do your own homework. Okay? See, we want to believe he loves us so much that we're going to get everything. My dad didn't treat me like that. He loved me. I'm not going to give my children everything if their behaviour doesn't align with the standard of the Simnor house. Would that be wise or foolish? The problem today, we've got so many parents who are just not really parenting, they just want to give their children everything so we've got brats running around. Everything's being lowered. Because oh, life's too crazy. Whatever you want, Johnny, you can have it. You can have it. Why? Because my identity is in my child. And if my child doesn't love me, I don't know who I am. And what if they don't love me? So I have to give them what they want so I get their love. It's called codependent relationship. It's sick. And nobody's winning in that. It's bondage for both. This is an outcome of loving your father, your mother, your children, yourself more than God. Is you get entangled in you. And you get entangled in other people. And when other people don't do what you want them to do, you get upset. And now you can't function because your whole purpose was in seeing a child become what you had in mind for that child to become, but it was never his intent. What if Madeline wants to be a clown in the circus? Well, fill your boots, honey. Go be the best clown. Know Christ and bring Christ into that situation, but be the best clown. But what if Dad wants her to be a doctor? What if Dad wants her to play for Liverpool women's team? What if Dad wants her to be ABC? And it doesn't align with my purpose for her. When my purpose should be in him. All our purpose and identity is in him first before anything else. But if my love is given to a child, my wife, myself, my parents, I'm in a form of bondage. It's actually a form of lust of the flesh. The Bible talks profoundly about idolatry, doesn't it? Do you know anything in your heart more than God is an idol? Which means you're committing idolatry, 
which means it says those who commit idolatry do not enter the kingdom of God. Oh, what did you do with your talent? It's called spiritual adultery. Not of the physical, of the spiritual. Are we a people of the spirit or the physical? Are we to understand things in the spirit or the physical? So do we understand the things in the spirit, the things in the kingdom that God has given us because we can be living our lives completely unaware and his love is covering our lives that aren't aligning and it will continue to but he comes and he shows you to align you and fix you and put you back and manipulate you back into right order so you walk upright being set free and you go, thank you Lord for showing me that my heart was given to my child. Thank you for showing me that because I do not want that. I want my heart to be given to you. Why? Because then no one can hurt your heart. Danielle does not have my heart. My children do not have my heart. My parents do not have my heart. You do not have my heart. Do you know who has my heart? Him. Why wouldn't you want to give your heart to the greatest person on the planet who will never hurt it? He will never hurt my heart. I've given my heart away and it got crushed and smashed. Wasn't that great? Wouldn't recommend it. And I gave my heart to him. And it was the greatest decision that I ever, ever, ever made in my life. Because he will never hurt it. He has the best intentions for it. And I'm free. I'm free of my wife. I'm free of my kids. I'm trying to lead my wife to be free of me and she is more and more and more and more and more. And we talk to our children about being free from us. I pray it, I speak it, I tell them, don't love me. I'm not worth loving more than God. I am not worth it. Love him, then you'll love me with the love of the Father. And I'm trying to do that to you, Maddie and Lily. I will disappoint you. I will mess up. I'm going to try and lead the best I can. But don't love me, love him. He will never hurt you, never break your heart, always come true. He's fully trustworthy. He is always faithful. He will perform on his word if you let him. And he's trying to say to us, here guys, if you love others more than me, not just people, stuff, but we're talking about family because family, as I said, is a, one of the greatest idols in the church. We have to be honest, don't we? And what I'm committed to, and I'm committed, I will tell you, I would preach the truth to you. Even if you stone me, hate me, walk away from me, empty this building, I will preach the truth. Because anything short of that is just tickling ears. And it's a waste of time. Because I'm committed to Him. And when you're committed to Him, you run the risk of being persecuted by your brother, by your sister. <laughs> by your wife, by your colleagues, by everyone. But he's worth it. He's so worth it. And I do that to them. So I do the same. Which brings us all on an even playing field, doesn't it? See, that's a bit humbling, isn't it? And he's saying this to us, to realign us, and to bring us into his reality. When we love these people and give our whole hearts to these people, these people become the object of our love. Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what he's trying to say. See, where your treasure is, what you love, there you find the heart. They go hand in hand. which once again is restricting us from finding this indestructible life in Christ. The Bible says that he's looking for a priesthood. He's looking for a consecrated people. Do you, do you know that you've been called to be priests? 
Not men walking around with dog collars, going through rituals and stuff. I mean spiritual priests who not only are having the kingdom of God built and established in us, who then minister that kingdom. That's what we're going to be doing in eternity. The Bible says bond servants will minister to the Lord. Do you want to be someone who ministers to the Lord because you were a priest? Unbelievable, isn't it? But do I believe it? It's true. It's true because he revealed it to me. And he's been revealing it more and more and this is what we've been bringing. I'm just going to say, I went through the cupboard door and I saw a new whole new land. And I came back and I went, Hey, everybody! phenomenal come through the door I am the door that leads to green pastures but you've got to come with spirit eyes and spirit ears not physical flesh and try and judge it all through the flesh no the mind has to be renewed there's got to be a change the new wine cannot receive sorry the old wineskin cannot receive new wine unless it's formed, revealed, renewed. You cannot receive new revelation in an old wineskin. The mind has to be renewed before the wine comes. What about with these scriptures? How are we going to go from, if I love, to loving God? If I love everyone else, to loving God. Seek, ask and knock. Seek, Ask and knock. Do you want to know what the 31st of October is about? Seek, ask and knock. Come and sit. Come and hear. We have 40, 45 minutes on a Sunday. We want to be able to have 12 hours where we can just then pray, then maybe minister to one another, then praise, then hear again, then eat some food and go again. But do I have an appetite for it? Do I have an appetite for that? Or do I have an appetite for other things? Why? Because I love them more. Because where your heart is, sorry, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And time is ticking. Tick, tick. Your life is ticking, isn't it? You only have so many days to produce a heart of wisdom. You have to know the seriousness of what I'm saying. You only have so many hours on this planet. God knows them. And if we are not intentional, disciplined, determined, it'll miss and you'll miss it. Because you were lulled into a false sense of apathy that God loved you unconditionally and you just lived your life. And he's telling you right here in his word, But you know what? I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. I wasn't even reading it. So I didn't even know it existed. I'm sorry. Today, as you can't say that because some muppet has come and opened the book and has read it to you. So I'm sorry if you now wish you never came. Because now you know something you didn't know. And God's looking right now going, I wonder what each person's going to do with what they just heard. Nothing or everything. See, we're not playing games. I'll go home the day we play games. What, what is even this about? I'm, I'm going off my message. What, what is this about on a Sunday? Is it just about hearing another message that we go through our religious motions and it was good and then we leave? And enough. This is about coming to hear the word of God being counted and changed by God himself because our hearts are hungry in position to praise him first, to have his power come and for, to be changed. If we're not coming for that, then go do what you might be wanting to do, what you love more. Because really you're just going through a religious ritual and you're not going to be any different. You may feel good and you may appease your guilty conscience, But so what? It ain't no different because at the end of the day, what did you do with the talent? Oh, that day turned up before I realised it. Oops. I love Dave McCracken. No promotion after the grave. It's too late. And God is screaming through this entire book and through people. 
come follow me. I wonder how Zebedee felt when his sons got up, not only left their father, but their livelihood, and said, we're following this fella. See you there. <laughs> See, what happens when you love your sons more than you love and you don't even know the guy they're about to follow? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, so let's, let's I don't know, create some things. How would you feel? How do you think you felt? If his purpose and his identity, his meaning for life is in his sons and his sons go immediately, well, there's no time for a see you later, Dad. Not only that, but your livelihood. You're dependent on these boys for your livelihood. If his identity is not in God, uh-oh, uh-oh, there's a real problem. Now what could happen? Sorry, you can't go. You're not going. And then he tries to play the guilt trips. He tries to manipulate the situation to keep them here. Why? Because he needs them here. Because if they go, I don't know how to function. I don't know who I am. I don't know how to be. Don't take that ministry off me, Chris, because I won't know how to function. But I thought your identity was in Jesus, not in your ministry. No, no, it's not. Okay, that's all right. Just calm down. It needs to be. So we need to do a bit of a work here because your identity and your purpose isn't completely the wrong thing. Does that mean ministry is wrong? No, of course it's not. Does that mean children are wrong? No. Does that mean getting married is wrong? No. Who created a family? Who's behind the idea? But if God isn't allowed to define family, it's chaos. That's what Abraham and Isaac is all about. I want to define the promise so you love the one of the promise, not the promise. That man was going to give his son up. Could you? Could I? Could we give over if we were asked for the will of the Father? Because the will of the Father is the greatest. And Jesus said, you'll know those who are my mother and my father because they do the will of my Father. It's not my natural family. It's these people. It's these people on the back road that I don't even know. I haven't even met them yet. But through the Spirit, I discern they're doing the will of That's my family right there. Sorry, honey, going. And we are going to do the will of the Father. Come with us. No, sorry. No, we, we, I can't. Why? Because my identity and my purpose is not in Christ. You can't leave me. It's like, it's like bungee. It's like this massive bungee cord. And we're trying to run, but the big bungee, snap! Maybe I'll try this way. Snap! God, it's hard trying to do the will of God with all these people hanging on to me. I was called for the will of God, created to do the will of God, because I'm actually God's child, not anyone else's. I'm a gift to those people, but they've actually started owning me like I am theirs, but no, I'm his, and we're all his, aren't we? So why do we hold one another so tightly? If we're not ours, we're his. I'll tell you why, because we don't have that living revealed position of what I just said. The work hasn't yet been done in us, so that becomes our reality. So we're not able to demonstrate that wisdom because the work hasn't been done. The question is, do we want it to be done? Do we want to seek him enough that we can be free? Because you know what, it's, it, it's been the greatest thing to be set free. This is going to sound really crazy from my wife and my children and my family. It's a blessing and a privilege and an honour to be set free and to have him having my whole heart. I would never, ever, ever, ever take it back. I found a life in him of freedom. And I know it's not a full measure. I want more. But it sounds really weird and it can look weird and yet you can look really peculiar when you say things like you love God more than your wife. In fact, I said that and someone came up to Danielle and said, oh, I'm really sorry for you. 
I get that. I get the fact that we, we're hearing that through the flesh. Because what can happen is we get so, what, think, what we think is so natural. Remember, our ways are not his. So our seed of the natural is of the kingdom of where? Darkness, which James says is demonic wisdom. So what we think is, can be so natural isn't from his perspective. And he cuts. The word comes and it severs because it judges every thought and attitude of the heart, every fleshly sinew and tendon and ligament that's attached and got itself wrapped around. The word wants to come and cut away to release and bring freedom and to bring this what we think so naturally. You realize, mate, I was actually in bondage. I was trying to live through someone else. And they would tell me the pressure. They would say to me, the pressure that comes, I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like I'm a lion in a cage. I can't go this way and I can't go that way. The pressure. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's horrible, isn't it? You want to run and you can't because the pressure. You can't look that way, you can't look that way, you can't laugh that way because the pressure is so great and the bondage is so great. What happens when two people are like that? Because we both love one another and stuff more than the Lord. That's just a recipe for just sickness, really. I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend, I'm trying to think of the words that can be a bit more nicer, but that's the way that came out. But God wants us running for him, living for him, and yet we are consumed with our own lives. We are empire builders, guys. We are not people of the kingdom. We are people who are building our own empires, our own lives. And Jesus says, if you want to come follow me, if you want to be worthy of me, you have to lose your life. You can't just add me on. He's not a tag on. He's not an app on your phone. He's not something you just add to your life. He is your life. He becomes life. Jesus says, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you will have no life in you. That was John 6. And he says, the disciples heard and said, who can listen to this teaching? Blood. He's talking about drinking blood. He said, these words that I say to you are words of spirit and life. If you do not partake of the bread of life, I am the bread of life. The living, tangible bread. Are we eating the living, tangible bread? Or are we dieting on stale, crusty, brown, disgusting, tasteless bread? How many, loves, how many people love bread three weeks old? <sighs> when I went to Italy, all they seemed to eat was what I thought was stale brown bread. I was like, mate, what's this? Snapping it and they loving it. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> horrible stuff. I lost 10 kilos in Italy and found Holland, God bless Holland, and put 10 kilos back on. These people know how to eat. God bless the Dutch and the Afrikaans and the Dutch Afrikaans that are taking over this church. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. <laughs> We're slowly transitioning out Kiwis and the Afrikaans are coming in. It's all good. I love that accent. They talk like that. It's cool. Yeah, but bro. So my family love bries. So if you'd love to invite us down for a bry, feel free. We'll come. But Jesus says, "I'm the bread of life." He says, "If you don't eat my flesh, and if you don't drink my blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you." He's literally giving you us a literal food source to show you what it's like. He loves bread, jam, butter, warm bread, just freshly baked. Comes out. Who's getting hungry? <laughs> I'll wrap it with this so we can go to lunch. And you bite into it. 
you taste all the sensations, don't you? And you feel it going down. And you were hungry. Were. And now you're full. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. For I am the bread of life. And he who believes in me will never go thirsty. But if we're loving our children, our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, our own lives, unfortunately that's where we'll be found when we should be found over here. Allow him redefining that, connecting, and you bring the two together. So I do want to hear that my, my wife and my children are my first disciples. And my role as a son is to get that right. Allow him to fix this and then come and it is simultaneously because you know you could be on that journey your whole life <laughs> and then lay my life down to see my wife and my children, my men that I walk with and you guys come into something. And so give him your heart. Give him your whole heart. If you've given your heart away, get it back. I'm talking in spiritual terms, okay? But repent. Say, Lord, I want you to have all. 99's not enough. The 1% will keep you out. So, Father, I just want to thank you for you and your life and your word. And, Lord, today has been a tough day, but I hope a life-giving day. And I pray, Lord, that what we've said, uh, Lord, and what you've shared with us, we would hear and anything of me would just fall to the ground and we'd hear it and seek you like we've never had before because there is an indestructible life in you. Lord, it's of the spiritual order and it's for us. And so, God, may we ask, seek and knock. May we believe and receive and accept your word. And give us a passion and a hunger for you, Father. And reveal yourself within us as you do that. The things that we do love more than you will just dissipate into the background. And you would have realigned us through the power of your Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. And we'll be able to live this wisdom out. So I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus, Yahweh. Amen.